This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 36. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. My name is Brett Duncan. I am here with Chris Fuller, and we are excited. We're going to pick up where we left off on our last episode, talking about what leaders do when they fall short, right? Uh, excited about this one, Chris. Going to kind of keep keep on this theme of failure as a leader, right? You know, what, what What a great energizing topic. Hey, today, once again, we're talking about failures. So, yeah, tune back in next week where we'll be talking about more failures. So, That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it's an exactly a uh, one of those topics that we really want to study. But today, we're turning the corner away from, you know, maybe some of those that piece into, into the reparation mode and into the success mode, um, redeploying and, and getting back in that saddle and doing it great next time. Yeah, and of course, I'm, I'm being a bit tongue-in-cheek here on, on purpose and by design, but it really is on our, our previous episode, if you haven't listened to that, we kind of dug into an interesting story of a musher uh, at uh, the Iditarod race, uh, at Linwood uh, Fiedler, and uh, Linwood uh, fell asleep at the wheel and went face down into the <laughs> snow. His team ran on ahead of him, and uh, so there was a lot to learn from that. And so we talked a little bit about, you know, really what's inevitable for all of us. You know, we will make mistakes and missteps, and we will fall short. And as leaders, what do we do about that? We talked a bit about that a little bit in the last episode. But in this episode, we want to take that a step further, and we want to really focus on how does a leader regain trust of their team once you know, falling short and, and losing that trust has happened for whatever reason. And Chris, I know with you, it, it starts with really defining what trust is and the two types of trust, right? So kind of walk us down that path. Yeah, so we're all going to blow it. And, and the question is, when we blow it, there's going to be a, a, a trust hit. You know when a failure happens, there's going to be some level of a trust hit. And the two types of trust hits for leaders are, it's either going to be a transactional trust hit or a relational trust hit. So when we start to look at it, um, do I trust my leader's transactions? Do I trust their professional acumen? Or do I trust them relationally? So when we look at the failures, was the failure transactional or relational? Then we can look at the repair process from one of those two tracks. Hmm, that's really good. So kind of break down a little bit, kind of what like transactional trust, what, what's that all about? Sure. So there's something in the leader's strategy. There's something in the leader's methodology. There's something in the leader's decision-making or process orientation that has failed. Or, you know, in the midst of enacting the strategy, maybe there were some other pieces. So something like competence, if a leader struggles in a particular area of competence that's needed, uh, does the leader know the right moves, make the right moves? Is the leader cognizant of any timing? You know, we really want the leaders to look at the situational analysis that they're leading in, not only like market conditions, but the capabilities and capacities of each player on the team and the organization as a whole. It's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to take on that, that that next project, but the rest of the team is looking at that project going, we don't have the skill set or the bandwidth to do that project. So yeah. why would the leader take that on when we're already 
you know, burnout, we're already maximized, we're already thinned out. So they really start to, to be concerned about the, the leader making the right moves and do I trust my leader who is in control or supposed to be in control of the sled? Do I trust their skill around that? Yeah, and this is another way to think about it too is this is that trust that really has little to do with character, right? Hey, you might love a, a leader. You might think they're great. Uh, but you just are like, yeah, but I don't know that they got the chops to do this, right? Or <laughs> a certain area, you know, they always let me down in this certain area and it's just not their thing, right? We've all worked for leaders that do that. And a lot of times it's almost like this kind of loving tolerance, right? That that can turn into something much worse, right? Because the transactional trust starts wearing down over time. Yeah, I mean, that's a key piece. And, and, the, and the trust piece for, for the teams when they're looking at that leader is, um, is, is this place safe for me to invest my career track? Mm -hmm. Or is it likely that this guy, this gal is going to drive this thing into the ditch? Right. And so, you know, the scary piece about this is we have to regain the trust of the team from a transactional standpoint, from a competence standpoint. Because the first ones that are going to leave are the most competent and the most amazing. Mm. And one of the fullerisms we talked about is every leader gets the team they deserve eventually. <laughs> and so talent has a choice. And if talent has a choice, the most talented, the most competent are going to exit if they doubt my competence, which is going to mean what towards my team? Wow. That was like a double barrel shotgun right there. I've just <laughs> boom, boom, boom. That was, uh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one. But, you know, so that, that, that's a great kind of look at transactional trust. But I think a lot of times when we talk about, you know, gaining trust or even losing trust, especially as a leader, we think more in terms of what we call relational trust, right? That's usually that's usually what people look at when they talk about trust. Do I trust you? And the question is not do I trust your competence, but do I trust you with me? Yeah. Do I trust you that you know maybe you you use some harsh words against it? Uh, maybe if if Lynn would have come in and just started beating the dogs and blaming the dogs. Um, number one, you can't beat the dogs, and, and I did a ride. If you even have a whip or pull out a whip, um, you're banned for life. So that's that's not what we're talking about. It's metaphorically, if you come in and blame the dogs for your own failure, that's an emotional hit. And so the relational trust, the emotional trust comes into a little bit more uh, on the transactional, maybe competency. On the relational, it's character, it's integrity, it's dependability, it's concern and uh, and care for team. and and being able to um, to communicate effectively without the cuttingness or the sarcasm or any of that. Mm. Yeah, and obviously it's so, uh, well, as leaders, it, it's quite likely and maybe nearly impossible to not at some point, you know, make a misstep and uh, really kind of uh, hurt yourself, both from a transactional trust standpoint, even a relational trust standpoint. And so, uh, what we want to talk about today is when that happens, uh, when your team doesn't trust you and your competence or your skills, or when your team doesn't trust you uh, from a even an integrity or dependability standpoint or the care for them, what do we do as leaders? What's the right way to go about regaining the trust of our teams? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, to use the Iditarod as an example, we need to double back to the last stable checkpoint. Hmm. Okay. So 
when we double back and get our feet back under us, this is a reason that you put money in the bank emotionally and relationally with your team as a leader. At some point, you're going to make a misstep. You're going to write a check that your account can't cash, hmm. uh, but you need enough money in the bank when you make that misstep so that the team says, you know what, the track record for the last five years was really good. Um, this is what I'm seeing. So consistency pays off, and I think we have to focus on that. Double back to that last that last checkpoint, that point of stability, and say we're going to rebuild essentially from the foundation that we had, and we're going to build better and build fresh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so double back to to kind of that stable footing, right? Or or and then from there. You know, what's the next step? Is it, uh, do you try to kind of move on and just hope everyone assumes, hey, we're moving on from here? Or do you have to be a bit more direct about that? I'm a little bit more direct. I, I recommend that go you figure, you know, go you, figure. Yeah, that shocks me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm wanting to actually have the conversation. I know that there are people that are a little bit more avoidant of the conversation. Um, I want to jump in and have the conversation. Um, me personally, I need to have that conversation to own it, to admit it, um, so that that, that doesn't um, stick in my own psyche. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think leaders that don't own it and admit it, that shirk their responsibility, I think that's really problematic. That's just going to continue to divide the, the trust gap and, uh, and start to just, you're, you're, you're going to lose trust at exponential pace if you're not one of those types of leaders that says the buck stops here, I'm not deflecting, I'm not blaming, here's what I did wrong, and here's what I'm going to do to fix it. So the, the inner emotional stability that allows me to look at somebody in the face and say, I blew it, I know I blew it, everybody knows I blew it, here's exactly where I blew it, and here's what I'm going to do. And, and then you reveal the plan to not repeat that mistake ever again. You, you're transparent, um, you're, you're not emotionally insecure, and you don't allow them to beat you up about it, right? So you can own it and admit it, and, and it's never going to be, you're never going to let your team weaponize your failure back against you to be able to leverage that. Um, but in the midst of it, you still need to own it, reveal the plan that you're going to, um, to, to work yourself into to never repeat that mistake, put that guardrail process in place, and then you just step it out daily. Continue to be consistent day in and day out, and that's going to start to, to, um, to, to build that track back that's ultimately going to lead to that deep trust reservoir that hopefully all leaders and teams have with each other. Yeah. Well, this can be so powerful too, because, you know, obviously, hey, we wish we hadn't, you know, lost the trust to begin with, but like we said, it happens. And so when you go through this process that you just kind of lined out for us, first admitting it and owning it versus deflecting it or blaming someone else or blaming circumstances, obviously that helps, you know, and, and is respected. But then when you couple that with revealing the plan on how you're not going to do it again, that even you know gets people's attention even more, right? But then if you actually start doing what you said you're going to do, that's where the real magic happens, right? It is. And, and when we think about it from a physiological standpoint, any bone that's broken, where that break occurred, the calcification around that break that mm -hmm. solves it and, and, and connects everything back together, that's going to be a stronger area of the bone than any other part of that bone. 
-hmm. when you're lifting weights and you tear a muscle. Um, that's how muscles grow larger is that in the midst of lifting that there's a tear and the muscle reacts to surround that tear and in the midst then we build up as a result of that. Yeah. So the trust that is violated and repaired is a stronger trust than if it has never been tested prior to. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Now there is risk here uh, and you'll probably be familiar with this process, but you know, I have a, I have a coach, personal coach and, uh, there was an area I identified that I wanted to get better in uh, professionally, and he referred me to, a, I guess, a, a process that Marshall Goldsmith has made very popular. But um, essentially, you reach out to the people that you work with the most. You say, hey, I'm going to work on this area, uh, and I'd like for you to rate me on how I do at it right now. And so they rate you, and then you come back maybe two or three months later, and you ask them again. And the real key there is obviously if you've you've revealed the plan to them, right? You've done what you said. I realize I need to work on this. I've admitted it and owned it. I'm going to be doing this more. I revealed the plan. And if I stay true to that plan, obviously, because they are now aware that I'm aware, <laughs> it's easier for them to rate it. But the backside of that is if I don't follow through, they are actually more aware of my shortcomings. <laughs> than they were possibly even before I even told them this is something I'm going to work on, you know? So it's actually, I bring this up because I think as a leader, it's great to admit knowing it. It's great to reveal the plan, but it all comes crumbling down and actually gets worse than it ever was. If you don't follow through with your own plan. Yeah. You're, you're digging yourself a pretty good grave if you do that. And so um, we do this with leaders all the time. You know, we, with the first step is to do a 360 feedback, that allows everybody to kind of feed into or rate that, that uh, uh, have their voice be heard around a particular scenario, whether again, that's professional competence or personal relationship. And, and so that initial rating becomes that baseline. And then when you go through and you work the process and, and uh, then we come in six months, nine months, 12 months later, and we do another rating of the same questions, the test, the second test is then a benchmark. So we compare the baseline against the benchmark to look at progress markers. And then as we're reporting to that or uh, communicating around that, then we can see improvement that we point out to everybody so that we can say, look, we're making progress. And that ultimately starts to engender more trust and trust and consistency and work in the plan and all that ultimately is going to lead to that top place where we have uh, repaired and even grown that, uh, that trust back. Yeah. So it seems it, it's a fairly simple concept. It doesn't mean it's a simple thing to actually go and do it, but as far as the steps to take on regaining trust, this makes a lot of sense. Now then I want to flip it for just a second. What do I all do right. if I'm a team member and it's my leader who is asleep at the wheel? It's my leader that is falling short. It's my leader that is, um, you know, is losing the team's trust, either transactional or relational. What do I do as a healthy and good team member to get through that? Yeah, so uh, I think that you, I'm queuing in on a couple of things that you said, which is healthy and good uh, <laughs> team member. Yes. Uh, because essentially a lot of them will, you know, will point out the deficiencies of the leader. Um, all leaders have strengths. All leaders have struggles. All leaders are human. So 
Um, we all have strengths, we all have struggles, and to maximize somebody's struggles or to point them out or to continue to beat them around their struggles, really, um, we, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror first. And so when we look at that fallibility, when we look at the, the skill set, that's such a key piece for us to take stock in what are we doing. So number one, as a team, if your leader is found to be asleep at the wheel, uh, the first thing that you I would recommend is that you can't undermine that leader and continue just to to drive that leader further in the ditch. Hmm. Um, you know, the one thing that 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 I do say about teams, and and let me just kind of hit this one pretty strong. Um, if you can't, if if it's creating a really bad attitude in you, and you just can't get past it, um, you know. Uh, one of the mentors of mine said, if you can't change your attitude, you need to change your address. Hmm. Well, so you cannot become the cancerous attitudinal poison just because of this deficiency. Yeah. So our job is not to fix our leaders. Our job is not to blame the leader and to you know make sure that everybody points out the failure of the leader. Our job is to support the leader, and all leaders have strengths and all leaders have struggles. You know, fullerism number whatever it is. Lead where you're strong, team where you're weak. Well, because leaders have weaknesses, the team itself needs to step in and shore up those weaknesses. So if it's an area of deficiency or struggle, that's a great way for a great point for the team to step in and say, you know what, um, you know, it's the old uh, uh, Rocky, you know, in the movie, you know, they talked about Rocky said, sure, I got gaps and Adrian's got gaps, but together we cover each other's gaps. Yeah. So I think it's a, one of the things as a team, if you're playing it straight up, if you're a healthy person, you don't judge the leader's weaknesses and, and just point them out and continue to beat them. You realize that if you're strong in that area, that's a great area for you to step in and support that leader. Um, so we need to get that leader to the other side of it, but we need to do it with respect and with sort of that purity of heart that says um, we're not going to uh, become that negative cancer in the organization because of it. Well, and it's such an easy thing to do when you see your leader struggling or when they're exposed, you know, weakness or whatever it is, because it certainly is a great distraction from your own weaknesses, right? Yeah, and we never play that game fair. I, I never judge your weaknesses, Brett, against my weaknesses. It's I judge my strengths against your weaknesses. Right. So I'm amazing at this, and man, you're horrible at that. And so I never play fair, and, and so we tend to fight dirty. And we just got to understand that one of the best things you can do if you're in, on a team and you believe your leader's asleep at the wheel, just do what Linwood's dogs did, head down, feet moving, get to the next checkpoint. Maybe the leader will catch up. Yeah. And I think that that's such a key piece. Don't neglect your daily responsibilities, roles and responsibilities. Um, you, you still got to be head down, feet moving, do the right thing by the organization and continue to run to the next checkpoint. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's so good. And, and again, what a great example of, of the dogs with Linwood. I mean, they just kept going. They got there just fine. And he caught up. Right. And so uh, it, it's just a, a great example of this. So I think this is, is a great takeaway for people to keep in mind. And I'm sitting here realizing <laughs> a very simple concept, and that is just the the never diminished uh, importance of trust. I mean, trust is just about everything. Right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, like you said, it's the currency. Right. And so 
uh, how we treat trust, how we think about trust, how we develop trust on a daily and consistent basis is so critical to success long term. Um, yeah, think about it. If your customers don't trust your performance or don't trust you, what's the likelihood that they're going to choose you again? Mm-hmm. You know, if a relationship, if we're, if trust has failed in a personal relationship, what's the likelihood that that relationship is going to continue to live on? Organizationally, uh, you know, if we don't have the transactional trust of our leaders, then there's no reason for us to fully invest and to count on it. Yeah. If you have a chair that one of the legs continues to break and fall off, will you ever put your full weight back on that chair? Mm-hmm. Well, so, and it's, yeah, such a key piece. Trust is the currency. Trust is the bedrock. Trust is the um, really the glue that holds everything together personally and and professionally. Yeah. Well, so just to recap too, if you are in a situation where you need to regain trust, or even thinking ahead, right? You were talking about making those deposits beforehand. Um, be aware of your transactional trust. Be aware of how people view you and how you share your competence and how you share your uh, understanding of the organization, the timing, where they're at, uh, but also definitely be aware of your relational trust that you're building. Um, if you slip in any of these areas, remember three very simple steps. First off, admit and own it. Um, then reveal your plan on what you're going to do about it so that you don't repeat this mistake again. And then, hey, once you've revealed the plan, actually work it out. Stay true to the plan and that will do wonders. And then again, that's when we're a leader, but if we are part of a team where that leader is asleep at the wheel, be that good and healthy team member that we talked about uh, to keep the team on track and you know, actually to have quite a, an impact and influence over the leader uh, to catch up with you. So we're so glad that you joined us today and hopefully this has been helpful. Um, and again, we, we talked at the beginning of we're talking a little bit about failure, but we're really talking about how to get out of it, what to learn from it, and how to really turn, as we said in our last episode, kind of those discouraging moments into encouragement. And that at the end of the day, Chris, that's what maturity is all about, right? It is. And, and, and when we violate, I mean, one of the fastest ways to have discouragement is a violation of trust, whether that's transactional or relational, whether that's dependability or respect or care or any of that. And so, you know, it's it's such an important piece. And, you know, in the midst of it, I think that the only way that you do that just, is just to plan ahead. There's going to come a time where I hurt your feelings. I, I misstep. I violate trust. When that occurs, what's my reparation process? What's my repair method? to regain that trust. And I think that if we think about that in advance and we talk about that and have a little bit more of an open collaborative culture um, where we realize and admit our mistakes, then I think that that is, we don't make excuses, we don't you know, just continue to be uh, insufficient, but with that open culture where everybody's able to say, man, I really, I really stepped in it there. Man, I really made a misstep on there. And I think that that admission, that vulnerability, that openness gives people at least the trust that you're going to do something about it and you're not going to blindly, unaware, blame, shame, and continue to go on as if nothing was wrong. So I think that, that the first piece is do, do we trust that leader with that? Keep that in in uh, in play all times, and again, have that plan when trust fails, and it will fail when we misstep, and we will misstep. What are we going to do about it? Yeah, and let's get to the other side of it. Awesome. Well, if this has uh, 
If this has been scratching where you itch, uh, then we encourage you to definitely go to influenceleadership.com where all things Chris Fuller are located. Keynote topics, training topics, the blog, which is just flourishing. Um, we welcome you to do all that. And, you know, you've also today heard several Fullerisms, but there are so many more that you can expose yourself to. And so we would certainly encourage <laughs> you to do that. Uh, go to the website. You will be asked uh, if you want to get access to that downloadable list of Fullerisms, 151 of them to be exact. Uh, you know, just enter your email and that is available to you for free. And I promise you they are as, as you heard today on the podcast, each and every one of them is quite thought provoking and a great thing for you to maybe chew on a, one or two of those a day and really try to put those into practice. So go to influenceleadership.com and do that. Uh, again, you're listening to the podcast. We thank you for that. Would love your review and your rating of the podcast. It certainly means a lot to us. And we want you to be a part of uh, future episodes as we continue to go here. So as we close down here, Chris, uh, any final words? Now, just just don't want to encourage you. You know, we're coming up on that quarter, man. We, we maybe we made a misstep. Let's refocus, re-energize, redeploy, and and continue on. It's about maturing the systems, not perfecting the systems. And so every day we get up and we're we're a little bit more uh, mature, a little bit sharper, a little bit more refined. And so process improvement, one percent a day, you'll get there. Just want to encourage you. Keep it up. Keep going. You're going to find your spot, find your niche. You're going to improve your leadership. And uh, and we're looking forward to Drop us a line. Let us know your successes. We'd love to hear your wins. All right? Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast.